Okay, guys, we are in Romans chapter 15. We're going to look at lesson 26 today. We're going to talk about the unity of believers. We're really winding down our study here. We have two more lessons after uh, today's lesson. So we're going to talk about the unity of believers today. And one thing that you're going to find throughout the scripture is the encouragement for believers to be unified together. In fact, in Jesus' high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, one of the things that he prayed for is that they would be one, that they would be unified. So today we're going to look today at what Paul has to say about the unity of believers. So let's look at verses 1 through 13 as I read these to you, and then we'll look and see what he's saying specifically, okay? We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of scripture, of the scriptures, might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. For this reason I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, loud him, all you peoples. And again Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and in him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's look at this together. We're going to basically divide this in a few sections. The first one, we're going to talk about the seeking good of others. Seeking good of others. So, The strong brother, Paul is saying here, must tolerate the weaknesses of the immature brother. Now look at, look, there's an interesting word that he uses here in verse 15. He uses the word, in the New King James it says this, but we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples. Anybody have a different translation than the New King James? Who has a different translation? Anybody got an NIV? Does anybody have the New International Version? How about the ESV? Anybody got an ESV there? Nobody. Okay, Maddie, what does it say there? 
The failings of the week. All right? Failings. Okay. Anybody else? All right, now look, when the New King James uses the word scruples, what does that mean? What does the word scruples mean? It's an old word, isn't it? What do you think it means? Well, it's not knowledge. Okay, integrity has something to do with it as far as what they think. But when you talk about, yeah, John. Okay, their moral outlook. When you talk about somebody's scruples, you're talking about how they look at things morally. Okay? And so, remember what we said. Remember that a weaker brother thinks that you can't do certain things and judges the stronger brother because he's doing that. And the stronger brother says, I have freedom in Jesus. I can do this. So what, what's basically being said here is, is that the strong believer has to tolerate not just the weaknesses, but really the scruples, the moral outlook of a weaker brother or sister in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to tolerate that. Why? So that they, you have to be patient with them so that they come to a place of what? Maturity. Okay? Maturity. So the strong believer must tolerate the weaknesses of the immature believer. The strong believer should not be self-centered and seek his own good. Now, you're going to see this constantly being stressed in the Scripture. Here's how you know you're mature in Christ. Maturity is not measured by how much you know about the Bible. Everybody listen to me. Just because you can answer Bible questions... Just because you can enter into discussions about what the Bible says this and that or another does not mean you are mature. Just because you come to church all the time and have been in church since before you were born, okay, does not mean you are mature. Maturity actually in the Bible is measured by whether or not you're selfish. If your focus is selfish, You're not mature. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because the strong brother does not need to focus on himself. If you are mature in Christ, you begin to understand, I don't need to focus on myself. God's going to take care of me. See, if you're immature and you have a a small understanding of your God, you're going to be focused on yourself. You're going to be doing things for your own self. So the true measure of spiritual maturity is how selfish you are. Did you understand what I'm saying? Or should I say how selfless you are? You understand the true measure of spiritual maturity is how selfless you are. Are you putting the needs of others first before your own? Now, let me just stop for a moment. That is so anti-cultural, isn't it? That is so anti-cultural. It's almost, can I be honest with you, so anti-American church. Because in American church, the focus has been what can you accomplish, what can you get, you know, and, and you looking good, and you having the position, and you doing this. But the reality is, is what we see here in Scripture is the strong believer should not be self-centered and seeking his own good. So 
really, here's the general encouragement that he gives us in verse 2. Paul urges believers to seek the well-being of others for their edification. I, you know, here I'm just going to be flat-out honest with you. This is a point of truth that you and I need to grasp. The fact of the matter is, is that true spirituality, true maturity is not focusing on yourself, but rather focusing on others. Where are they in their relationship with Christ? And how can you help them get there? Do you understand what I'm saying? Where are they in their relationship with Christ? Because it's easy, I've done this, you've done this, to sit in judgment of other Christians because, ah, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they're saying that. can't believe they talk that way. can't believe they're doing that. When in reality, rather than sitting there being condemning or judgmental, what we need to do is come alongside of them and help them to what? Grow. Help them to understand. Help them to mature. Did you understand what I'm saying? Now think for a moment. You know, I've been a believer now 30 years. So I've been around church for 30 years. Before that, I never went to church. But for 30 years, I've been around church. Now, as I think back to 30 years of being a believer and being in church, I'm going to be flat out honest with you. The most judgmental things I've ever heard from people have been by the mature towards the new Christians who don't seem to have figured out what the acceptable things are to do and not do in a church. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I can't believe they're acting that way. I can't believe they dress that way. I can't believe they talk that way. You know, do, you, do you know what I'm saying? I can't believe that they're doing this. I can't believe, I can't believe that they're going here. I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe they even went to that movie. And, and, and the thing is, is that they haven't gotten to your quote level yet. Did you understand what I'm saying? And so what we did was, is we were critical and judgmental. But here's the thing. I don't recall any of those folks who were like that saying to those people, Hey, let's go have a coffee. Let's go talk. Are you are you aware? Let me let me educate you a little bit. Do you ever call, recall that ever happening? Any of you ever recall that of taking somebody who's being looked down upon, somebody coming alongside of them and loving them and maybe helping them over an issue? Do you ever, is is that the normal trend in church? This is the point he's making here. The point is is that as believers. We should be concerned about the well-being and edification of others, period. As believers, you should be concerned about the well-being and the edification of others. Bottom line. Yeah, Lori. Yes. Yes, it can be taken wrong. However, in order to do that, let me just stop for a moment. Let, let me, I'm going to pick on three guys here. I'm going to pick on Randy, Sam, and Rob. All right, so let's say Sam is the immature one here. Sam, he does, think of something that Sam does that would be very immature. Uh, 
What can we say, Sam? He talks with his mouth full. Okay. We'll use that. Okay. All right. All right. Now, Randy looks and sees Sam talking with his mouth full, and he's just like, I can't believe how disgusting Sam is. He's like showing us what every bite's like. And I can't believe he would do that, you know. And he's just condemning, okay. You're a condemning guy, dear Randy, okay. Okay, all right. Now, Rob is the same way. He's like, I can't believe Sam's like that. But here's the thing. Rob has a relationship with Sam. Rob has a relationship with him. So that Rob says to Sam, hey, let's go share a cup of Sumatra together. Oh, wrong person, because you you like yours. You're the blonde guy. Okay. Okay. All right, we'll buy you a blonde while I drink a Sumatra, okay? And he says, hey, man, I've, I've been noticing something that's really that really bothers me, and I know it's bothering other people. Like, could you close your mouth when you chew? I mean, I mean I'm just, we're using that as a ridiculous illustration, but do you see the point? The point I'm making is Rob can talk to him because Rob has what? A relationship, okay? If Randy has no relationship, he's just sitting in the background just, I can't believe he's, you know, just, you know, doing that. So I think the key thing for you, Lori, is you got to have relationships with people. You earn the right to talk to people. Do you understand? It needs to be something that's very clear about. I we use that as an illustration, okay? I mean, yeah, and we just made for some reason. I was using that as an illustration. You're using that. I can, okay. That's the new law in Kerwinsville Christian Church. You can't chew with your mouth open, okay? All right. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the law, okay? My whole point in saying this is that's that's in an area where he's struggling with something. But there are other areas. It doesn't have to be struggling with something. Sam could be going through something and he he's lacking in the area of faith of trusting God to see him through it. Again, I'm going to be honest with you. Rather than Randy saying to him, because Randy has no relationship with Sam, rather than Randy saying to him, we just got to have faith, bro. Talk to Jesus about it. It'll be okay. Sam's going to sit there and say, yeah, that's nice for you to say. You don't really know what's going on. But Rob, who has the relationship, knows what's going on, and he can come to him and say, hey, man, hang in there. Trust the Lord. Here's some scripture. That was meaningful to me. That will be meaningful to you. And, and pray for him. Do you understand? And Sam's going to be open more than he would be to Randy. He's going to be open to what Rob is saying because he knows that Rob, are you ready for this, cares for him. See, that's really what the issue is. The issue is whether or not you care for him. Now, our hesitancy, let me just stop for a moment. Because the first thing that's going to come to people's minds when I say this is, oh, my goodness, George. 
I see what you're asking, but man, do you realize I might open a door that I can never close with that person where they're always calling me about their because stuff just continues to happen with them. Isn't that what we do? Let me just stop for a moment. Yeah, you might open a door like that with somebody, but that's not going to be true of everybody. Are you going to say you're not going to do that because there's a possibility of one boundary-busting person doing that? Do you understand? Because most people are not boundary-busters. Do you know what I'm saying? Most people are not like that. So if you're going to say, well, I'm just not going to get close to anybody, the reality is, is that that's not true. That's why I think you, there needs to be relationships. Let me just stop for a moment. When you look at the culture of the Bible, the New Testament and the Old Testament, you need to understand, especially among Jews, they are relational people. Relational. And when they, and, and, and everything that comes out of their culture of being relational with each other. Do you understand what I'm saying? We especially, and this is not, we especially in this area, in our Western PA, Western Central PA mindset here, okay, we tend to be isolated and clannish and just with our own. We, we don't have that concept, but that's not true of all Americans or even true of all North Americans. I can remember being in Canada, the, the most popular place to go to in Canada is a donut shop. And there might be four or five donut shops in your town. Why? Because Canadians are very social. You know? Very social. And you look at our area, we can barely keep, get a donut shop to survive. Do, do you know what I'm saying? We can barely get one to survive in our area. You know? So the, the reality is, is that, and I brought that up, so we have to be relational people. And with that, we've got to urge believers to seek the well-being and edification of others. Let's go on. Paul points out that the example of Jesus Christ, who did not seek his own good. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't have the attitude that we sometimes have? I mean, talk about it for a moment. Talk about God for a moment. Talk about Jesus. Really, he I mean, he really opened the door for boundary busters, right? Don't we bust boundaries with God? Oh, God, this is happening. I need your help. I mean, we call him at at all times of the day and night to talk to him. And he he didn't hesitate. He went to the cross for us. Okay? He didn't hesitate. In fact, Paul quotes Psalm 69 to point out that Jesus bore the reproaches of sinners. He's quoting Psalm 69 here to point out that he bore the reproaches of others. Now, here's the purpose of Scripture. Now, this is why you reading the Bible is so important. The Scriptures were written so that we would have comfort and perseverance for hope. The Scriptures were written so that you and I would have comfort and perseverance for hope. We come to verses 5 and 6 now. He's going to talk about the quest for unity. <clears throat> Here's what he says in verse 5. Paul describes God as giving believers endurance and comfort. 
Let me ask you a question. How many of you pray sometimes for strength? How many of you pray for strength? God, get me through this. God, get me through this. Here's the thing. Go ahead and keep praying that way, but I want you to understand he gives you that. Whether you ask for it or not. He's giving you comfort and endurance, whether you ask for it or not. Do you understand? Because if you belong to him, he wants you to persevere to the end. So he asked God to give believers a single mind towards each other in Jesus Christ. So what a single mind, what is he talking about here? Being like-minded. He wants you to be like-minded. About the Steelers? No, that's not what he's talking about here. Okay? He's not talking about your political views. I can already tell you right now, even in a room with the number of people who are here, I can already tell you we've got 50 different political views here and we only got 20 folks here. Did you know what I'm saying? 50 political views. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is that we need to be single-minded in who? Jesus. In our understanding of God and Christ. That's what the basis of our unity has to be here. The basis of our unity has to be Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about here. He's asking God to give believers a single mind. You want to know how you can pray for the church? Here's how you can pray for the church. Pray what the Bible says to pray. God, Paul is asking God to give us a single mind in Christ Jesus. You want to know how to pray for the church? Lord, give us a single mind in Christ Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how you pray for the church. Let's go on. And here's the purpose of like-mindedness. These like this like-mindedness is so that believers will glorify God. Here's the sole reason why you and I need to be like-minded. It's so that you and I will glorify God in this world. All right, remember what Jesus said in, in, in the Gospel of John? By this shall they know that you are my disciples. By your what? Love for one another. How, who is it but know that, who is it that's supposed to know that we are his disciples? Unsaved people. The reality is, is that our unity and love for each other, our unity and caring for each other, is the greatest testimony that we can have to who? To the world around us. Do you understand what I'm saying? To the world around us. That's our greatest testimony. All right? So then he's going to spend the rest of these verses, verses 7 through 13, talking about the key to unity. The key to unity. Look with me at verse 7. Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Here's the first one. Believers are to receive or accept each other, just as Jesus Christ accepted them. When he's talking about the word receive here, he's not talking about you welcoming them, them into your home, although that could be an example of that. What he's talking about here is you accepting each other. Now, let me just stop for a moment. That's a tall order, isn't it? That's pretty much a tall order, isn't it? Now, with some people... You're going to gravitate naturally to people who are like you, and it's real easy to what? Accept them, right? 
But have you ever met somebody you don't gravitate towards? Maybe they're from a different culture, and we do have different cultures even here in our community. From a different background, maybe a different skin color, maybe a different political influence. Do you understand? Those people are hard to what? To accept, right? He's calling you in our like-mindedness. The key to unity is to have an attitude where you are willing to accept anyone. Do do, do you know what I mean? Where you're willing to accept anyone. We're to receive or accept one another just as who? Jesus accepts. Now let me stop for a moment. Does Jesus have a reason not to accept you? Anybody? Does Jesus have a reason not to accept? Don't tell me your reason. I just want to know. Does Jesus have a reason not to accept you? Yeah, you better say yes. Okay? Because all of us have our stuff, right? All of us have our sins that are a reproach to him that are wrong. All of you have skeletons in the closet. And guess what he still does? Because he knows them. Yeah, he still accepts you. Do you understand? So just as Jesus accepted you with your stuff, we're called, the key to unity, we're called to who? Accept each other. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're called to accept each other. So that's the first step. Here's Here's the next thing. Paul talks about being a servant to circumcision. Jesus came to bring truth to the Jews and to show that God is true to his promises. Verse 8, Jesus came to bring truth to the Jews and to show that God is true to his promises. Now he's going to talk about Gentiles because obviously there would be an issue of unity in the church when you have a church that's made up of both Jews and Gentiles. I want to Just listen to me. Back in the early days, the churches were primarily made up of Jews with Gentiles, God-fearing Gentiles. So listen to what he says here. At the same time, Jesus came to the Gent- came that the Gentiles would glorify God for his mercy towards them. This is what I think is missing from churches today. Let me just stop because we're primarily Gentile in our churches today. But this is what's missing. What's missing is is that we have lost and grasped, failed to grasp the reality that God had mercy on us and saved us. Because we weren't part of the promises. Did you understand what I'm saying? He didn't have to do that. So he's saying that, that Jesus came that the Gentiles would glorify God towards his mercy towards them. He quotes four Old Testament passages to show the validity of his point here. He's going to quote four different Old Testament passages. First, David states that he praised God among the Gentiles. So David says that he praised God among the Gentiles. Second, Moses exhorted the Gentiles to rejoice with his people. He's quoting Moses now, who's exhorting the, the Gentiles to rejoice with his people. Third, the psalmist commands the Gentiles 
to praise the Lord. Now, this is not David, who's the psalmist here. One of the other psalmists here in this passage commands the Gentiles to praise the Lord. And finally, Isaiah predicts that the Gentiles will live in hope under the rule of the Messiah. Aren't you glad for these passages? Because this is what guided Jesus in accepting you. It's a fulfillment of these. So then, we come to the issue of blessing. And look at what he says here. I think this is amazing to me. Look at what he says. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in believing and that, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the first thing here is Paul prayed that, that God would fill his readers with joy and peace. All right, let's stop for a moment. You find those things lacking in your life? All the stuff that's going on in your life? You find that lacking? I do. Because stuff happening robs us of our joy, doesn't it? And and when you talk about the stuff happening, what what is it that we don't have? Peace, because we're staying up at night. We're, we're, We're constantly consumed with it. Look at what Paul's praying here. Paul's praying that the God of joy and peace would fill them. Okay? That God would fill them with joy and peace. Here's another thing you could pray for each other about. We should be praying for each other to what? Handle things with what? God's joy and peace. Let me just stop for a moment. You know, sometimes we don't carry, we don't wear a sleeve or a t-shirt that we change every week that says, this is the stuff I'm dealing with. You got it right on your front of your t-shirt. We don't do that. But what we do do is people can tell by the way you act, your body language, that there's something wrong, right? Especially if they know you. Especially if they know you. Emotions are very evident to people. Now, here's what you can do. Remember, we talked earlier about being there for each other for edification. Number one way that you can be there for somebody is if you notice somebody's carrying something, the first thing you need to do is what? What do you need to do? i got blank stares looking at me. I don't know. That's why you're here to tell us, George. Pray. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for the boldness to speak out. Okay? Pray. What do you need to pray for them? Joy and peace. Now, that just seems so pat and so trivial, doesn't it? But is it really? If they're going through it, what don't they have? Joy and peace. Do you see now why we need to pray for each other? Okay, so the first thing is joy and peace. Pray for them. Also, it may be the first thing you do, but also the second thing you may do, especially if you have a relationship, is to go and what? Talk to them. So what's what's going on here? Paul prayed that God would fill his readers with joy and peace. Here's the other one. As believers trust God, they will overflow with hope through the Holy Spirit's power. You know, I've shared with you before many times I have prayed 
And God did not tell me how I was going to get through the situation. God did not tell me the solution to the problem. God didn't tell me what the outcome was going to be. But what God did was he gave me what? Peace that surpasses all understanding. Remember Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7? In all things through prayer and supplications. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Where do you think that peace comes from? Where do you think that comes from? That calmness. Anybody, where does it come from? The Holy Spirit. Do you understand? As you are trusting in God, as you are looking to Him for that peace and joy in the midst of your situation, as, as others are praying for you, you're going to overflow with what? Hope. Now here's where the hope is. Who's the hope in? The hope's not in the outcome. The hope's in Jesus. That's right, Brian. The hope has to be in Jesus because sometimes you can have a hope in an outcome and it's possible that that outcome doesn't happen. You know what I'm talking about? You've got to admit, oh, Jesus told me this is what's going to happen. No, 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 that's, that's, you've got to have hope in God, not hope in whatever outcome you think is going to happen. Do you understand? Because have you been disappointed? Have you been disappointed? And have you been angry with God? Don't nod your head yes now. Have you been angry with God because the outcome wasn't what you thought it should be? See, your hope needs to be in who? Jesus, no matter what the outcome. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because here's the thing. I'm going to be flat out honest with you. Sometimes God allows the terrible things to happen because they fit into the plan of what needs to happen in your life for later on. Do you understand? Sometimes he's got to allow the terrible things to happen that aren't comfortable in order for you to become the person that you need to be. See, it's the difference between, have you heard this one before, between being a poplar and an oak tree. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the difference between being a poplar and an oak tree. A lot of us want to be poplars, but we're not, you ever notice they don't use poplar for very much. But oak, there's strength there, right? See, this is the point he's making here. These are the key to unities. Praying. Praying for each other. Encouraging one another. Okay? Alright. Next week, we're going to look at Paul's labor and pains. We're going to wrap up now. He's going to start summarizing what's going on in his life and bringing greetings.